This is the Craft Seller Success Podcast from Tinteddy. Episode number 21. Preparing for a craft stall or craft show. Welcome to the Craft Seller Success Podcast. Helping craft sellers sell their crafts. Hi, I'm Deborah Richardson from Tin Teddy. When I was a child, my father used to organise regular craft shows in my hometown on behalf of various organisations. Naturally, I ended up getting roped in and had my first craft stall selling knitted coasters when I was about nine. And I have been doing craft fairs and shows ever since, selling a wide range of different products over the years. In today's episode of the podcast, I'll be sharing some of my experience and talking about preparing for a craft show or event. As usual, there will be links and a full transcript on the Tin Teddy blog, plus a link to a free craft stall checklist. First things first. Types of craft show. If you have never been to a craft event before, then it is well worth going to one before doing a stall yourself to see how they work. You will also be able to gather lots of useful info on topics such as how to display items similar to your own, your potential competition, and what sort of prices items are fetching. There are many different types of craft event. Here are a few. Local craft fair. This may be in a village hall school buildings, or outside in a field. School fairs. They may be in the school hall, or another building, or outside in the playground or on a sports field. The school children will convince their families to attend. They are ideal for low-priced pocket money items, but it may be harder to sell higher ticket items. It is best to avoid very delicate products at this sort of event. Village Fates. These are usually outside. They're similar to the local craft fair or a school fair in that lower priced items tend to do well. People don't often go to a village fate with a pocket full of money. Renaissance and other themed fairs. Often outdoors but they may have indoor locations too. Obviously it's ideal to bring products that are suited to the theme of the fair and to leave items that are very out of period at home. You may be required to dress to match the theme of the fair, so make sure to confirm this in advance. Art shows. These are almost always indoors. Be sure you know in advance what type of products are accepted and whether yours qualify. Some art shows may be for paintings only, or even one medium only, such as watercolour. Car boot sales. Well, these are pretty much always outside. (laughs) People at car boot sales are looking for serious bargains, and so it is unlikely you'll be able to sell high-ticket items in this sort of venue. Many craft sellers have had frustrating experiences at car boot sales with very low sales. However, lower-priced items may sell well. Craft tents at shows. These are undercover, although many shows will also have external booths or stalls available. Again, this is very similar to a local craft fair, though you may get more passing traffic 
if the show has other attractions to bring people in. A market stall or farmer's market. Check in advance if there are any limitations on the type of products that can be sold here. Folk style and rural type products may well do better than others. I know quite a few craft sellers who swear by farmer's markets and do them regularly. Curated shows. These are shows where the organisers will see your products in advance and decide whether you are suitable for the show. Curated shows often have higher priced items than non-curated ones because customers will be looking for unique products and high quality. If the craft event has been run before, you may be able to find information about it online to give you more of an idea of what to expect. For expensive fairs, you may want to go to one before booking, which is easier for those that are multiple times a year. Things you need to know up front. There are some things that it is important to know about before you book your stall, or which you need to find out about when booking. How much is a stall? What is included? When will you be required to pay? Up front or on the day? As this is particularly important, I will talk more about it in a minute. How many stalls will there be? Will there be others with similar items to you? Some show organisers will deliberately try to maintain a good balance of stalls, such as only allowing one of each type, like one modern jewellery and one vintage jewellery, or one watercolourist and one oil painter. Or they may have a more general balance in mind, such as five jewellery stalls, three painting stalls, three soft toy stalls, and so on. But many shows are not specifically balanced, and so you may be in a room with many others selling similar products to your own. Is the venue inside or outside? You'll need to know whether you'll need protection from the elements. Some products may be hard to sell outside due to factors such as wind, precipitation and sunlight. This is a very important piece of information indeed. Are the organisers charging people to enter the show? High price entry may indicate the sort of visitors who are likely to come to the show. Is there likely to be much passing traffic? Is the event somewhere that people will naturally pass by, such as a busy shopping street, or part of a bigger show, such as a craft tent at a country fair? Is there self-contained traffic? A school fete will gain some automatic traffic from the parents and family of the pupils. A local steam rally will have plenty of visitors who have come to see the other attractions on offer. How will the event be publicised? Many events are advertised in local newspapers, magazines, shops and on Facebook and other social networking sites. Lots of publicity will help visitor figures, which can boost your sales potential. It's always worth doing some publicising yourself too. Will there be power if you require it? If you need a power socket for lighting or demonstrating your crafts, be sure to check in advance that this will be available. You may be charged extra for this feature, or it may require your book in a particular stall so as to be near the socket. Tell the organisers what the electrical items will be, so they can confirm that they are okay for you to use at the show, 
because they have to consider things such as their insurance agreement. How long is the event on for and when can you arrive? Be sure that you know the duration of the event. A friend was caught out when she booked a rather expensive stall only to find out, after paying her non-returnable deposit, that the show was actually only two hours long. She had assumed it was all day and was unable to sell enough stock to cover her costs in just two hours. It is usual and desirable to set up your stall before the show opens to the public. Find out at what time you can enter the premises or location to begin setting up. Will there be somewhere to get lunch or a drink? If you're going to be at an all-day show or one that crosses a meal time, will there be somewhere on hand to purchase something to eat or should you bring your own? Many storeholders always bring their own sandwiches or something as they find this is the most economical option. I personally like to buy a hot dog or a burger if doing a stall outside in cold weather for a little burst of warmth. Are stalls supplied or do you need to bring your own? Some craft events will provide tables for the sellers, particularly large shows in exhibition halls or permanent events. Others will require sellers to bring their own tables or stalls. Make sure you know which applies for the show you wish to attend. If you will be using the organiser's table, find out how big they are as soon as possible, so you can tailor your display to fit. If you need to bring your own, check whether there are any restrictions on what you can use, what size limit or how many tables you can use. If you only do a few craft shows a year or are starting out, then a basic wallpaper or paste table is ideal. They are cheap, sturdy, lightweight and roomy. If you intend to do regular craft shows, then you may prefer a sturdier and smarter table option. You may also want to check whether chairs or stalls are provided, or whether you will need to bring your own. I have a couple of very sturdy folding chairs, the sort with arms, and I'll put a link to these in the show notes. Are there any themes? Some shows have a theme, which you are required to comply with to have a stall there. For example, many Renaissance and other historical fairs will stipulate that all stall holders are dressed in clothing that is suitable for the period. Christmas time shows may want stall holders to dress in suitably festive attire. And some types of event may have a strict dress code. A high-end art exhibition may require evening dress. Or a classy craft show may rule no jeans. Be sure to know what the rules are in advance and stick to them. Will there be a creche for stall holders' children? Larger shows may have one but definitely be sure to check before relying on there being one. Insurance. The type of stall you have can affect the cost, so be sure you have the right insurance for the type of stall you use. Many craft fairs and shows will require stall holders to have insurance. Even if they do not specifically ask for this, it is still worth having it for your own peace of mind. If you sell products that could potentially harm the user, such as bath and beauty products, candles or anything electrical, then I strongly recommend liability insurance for your protection. 
You would require this wherever you sold your products, including online. Sharing a stall Many crafters, especially when starting out in craft stall selling, choose to share a stall with a friend or family member. Each person has their own products on the same stall. This can be a great way to split the cost of a stall, to ensure a companion or assistant when actually selling, and, of course, can be a lot of fun. If you are thinking of sharing a stall with someone else, please do consider some of the possible problems that can arise from this arrangement. Be sure to know in advance how you are going to divide up the takings, share the costs, and who is going to do the various actions required, such as booking the stall and driving. I have discussed sharing a stall in much more detail in a blog post on the Tin Teddy blog. It's called Sharing a Craft Stall, a craft stall with a friend. There's links in the show notes, of course. Paying for your stall. There are two big questions when paying for your stall. How much should you expect to pay? And when will payment need to be made? How much is the going rate? Well, this is one of those how long is a piece of string type questions. Many different factors affect how much a particular stall in a particular show or fair will be. Here are some of those. How big a show or fair is it? How well advertised and promoted will it be? What sort of show is it? How many people are likely to visit? Are the visitors likely to be expecting to spend a lot or a little money on products? So, basically, a small local event may charge just a few pounds for a small table, or even ask for a voluntary donation from your sales. Some ask for a fixed percentage of your sales, but as this relies a lot on trust, I mean, how would they know how much you actually sold? This is now quite rare. Where I live in Britain, the current rate for 2019 seems to be about £25 to £60 up front for smaller craft fairs. Big, well-attended, highly publicised events are likely to charge far higher prices. You will need to be sure that you have enough stock to sell to warrant this upfront cost. If the stall costs £100, then how much do you need to sell to justify this expense? If your items are just a couple of pounds each, then you will need to make many hundreds of sales to make any profit. And don't forget, you still have your usual expenses of materials and time to subtract from this. Are you likely to sell that many items? Do you have that many available in stock? How much will I actually pay? Be sure you know exactly how much your stall will cost. If you have asked for a larger space, a special location, powerpoints or other frills, then the cost may be more than the basic quoted rate. Bear in mind that different sellers may actually be paying different fees for similar stalls at the same event. Some events give certain sellers a discount to encourage them to come to the show. They might do this for a stall that itself will attract further visitors, such as someone who is very well known is demonstrating their craft, or is marketing the show themselves. If you feel you have some significant extra to offer the event, it may be worth asking if any such discount is available, but be careful not to offend the event organisers.
different types of products may also dictate the cost of the stall. Some lines of products are far more popular than others. An event organiser may offer a discount to someone with unusual products to try to encourage diversity at the show. How do I pay? Check that you know when and how the organisers require payment to be made. Many will want it in advance, but some will collect it from you on the day. Others will require a non-refundable deposit up front, with the balance collected from you on the day. Get a receipt, printed or email which you can print out, for your future reference. This is exactly the sort of legitimate business cost that you should include in your tax records, so make sure you keep that paperwork. If paying on the day, be sure you have the correct money, or a cheque if that is acceptable, do check that first, separate from your float. I usually put mine in a clearly labelled envelope. Other costs. Don't forget that you may have other costs to take into account. Does the venue pay for insurance for the stallholders, or do you need to provide your own, and it's often obligatory that you do? Will you need to pay for food and drink, or bring your own? Will you have to pay to park your car nearby? What you will need. Weather protection. If your stall is going to be outside, then you need to consider whether you might need any weather protection. Battery-operated portable fans can be a handy accessory on a hot day. Make sure to wear a hat if you are outside to protect against sunstroke. And sunblock is also important. For many types of stock, it is essential to protect your stall from rain. A large, thin, clear plastic sheet can be very economical and a useful accessory. If it starts to rain, you pull the sheet over the whole stall and hold it in place with pegs or pins. Customers who are braving the rain can still see what you have on offer, and if they want to buy something, you can slide your hand under the sheet to grab it. Once the rain has stopped, you can flick off the sheet until another shower starts. If the weather looks like it might be rainy on the day of a show, ensure you have some plastic bags with you to pop customers' purchases into so they can take them home safely. Many craft stall traders swear by fingerless gloves. They will help keep your hands warm on a cold day, but still allow you to handle your products and the customer's money. If you are selling woolly hats, scarves or gloves, then this is the ideal opportunity to showcase one of your creations yourself. If you're going to be standing on a cold surface, such as concrete bricks or stones, on a cold day, you may benefit from placing a couple of pieces of cardboard, a piece of camping mattress foam or an old folded blanket down to stand on. It's surprising how much difference this can make. How to store your money. A lot of craft store sellers like to use a seller's apron. This is a short apron that you tie around your waist. It has a number of deep pockets to store your money and other useful items. Because the money is always on your person, it's nice and safe. Plus you have a useful location for things like a mobile phone, scissors, pens and notebooks too. If you store your cash in a box of some sort, be sure you have a very safe place to put it. You will need to ensure that you can see it at all times and it's not going to be in reach of stall visitors. I have heard many stories of sellers who have been distracted 
by a bogus potential customer, whilst an accomplice grabs the money box and vanishes into the crowd. Your float. It is worth considering what sort of float or change you will require. If you have a lot of items that are something on 50p, then you'll probably want a few 50p's to give us change when people give you round pound values. If you have items that end in 99 pence, then you'll need some pennies. Think about what currency the customer is most likely to hand over, and this will help you decide what specific coins and notes you will need. This is one of the reasons that many craft store sellers like to price their items with round prices, as it avoids lots of small change requirements. Be sure to make a note of how much float you have at the start of the show, so you can subtract this from the day's takings to get an accurate profit figure.